welcome to Conversations About Life. Thank you, Christopher. Um, I'm happy to, well, looking forward to talking with you, and thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Sure thing. Thanks for having me, Will. So we know each other like way back. Uh, we were a part of the same church together. And like, that's really going back a ways. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and see, I know you, I looked on your Facebook um, page. You have worked for Boeing for a, a good while, but that's not what you're doing now, right? No, uh, I, I worked for Boeing almost 10 years, um, uh, just a, a few years after college. Uh, I started there, worked in flight simulation, and then back in 2007, I, I had an opportunity to, um, still in the aerospace industry, but um, work in a, a little different area doing systems engineering, sort of a higher level design uh, for the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter. It was the new kid on the block at the time, and uh, so that, that moved us to Florida. And um, I, I've been working with the same company uh, since then, so going on 14 years now. Okay. And then, so your title, is it like an engineer? It, it is. Um, systems engineering is it's a little bit different from mechanical engineering or electrical engineering. It's um, uh, the idea is to take a big picture view and look at how systems interact with each other uh, or even systems of systems and to you know consider not just individual pieces but how those pieces fit within a whole and so um that i like the bigger picture thinking there and you know how there's tendrils that in a big system that go across and so many pieces affect other pieces and, and trying to manage all that is uh can be tricky so I guess you're pretty technical-minded, I guess. That's what I'm assuming, right? Um, I, I tend to be, yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe to the point of overthinking sometimes. Um, but it's, uh, it, at least I, I think this line of work fits with my uh, inclinations and personality pretty well. Okay. And then, so you were married to Amy, who, um, uh, so I, I've known her for a long time too, but she yeah. died on ex kind of of cancer in 2019, right? She did, yeah. That was um, that, that was a gut punch. Um, you know, it was. I, I may go into that more, but it it was a uh, it, it was a it was a blow. There was. Um, it did progress pretty fast. It was barely over three months from when she was first diagnosed with cancer to when she passed away uh, in the summer wow. of 2019. And it didn't really have a whole lot of time to, time to come to grips with it. Um, and even with the initial diagnosis, uh, it was hopeful. You know, it, she had abdominal pain uh, for a few months but she had a history of uh, ovarian cysts and uh, you know, she'd had some bad ones in the past. Um, and so we just thought that's what it was. Um, but then it was persistent enough 
that um, she decided to have it looked at closer, and that's when they found a large uh, tumor um, on her ovary. And um, they went in, but with the initial surgery, um, they checked the lymph nodes and they said it doesn't look like cancer spread and but we'll we'll watch it and um, you know, she went through chemotherapy and she was reluctant there um, you know because you hear about all the side effects of chemotherapy and you know the the idea is that you hope the chemotherapy kills the cancer before it kills you um, because it's it's bad stuff um, but you know, Amy was tough and she, she was a fighter and thought, you know, this isn't going to be pretty. It's not going to be fun, but I've got to beat this so I can, you know, still be here for my kids. And, um, it, it didn't happen. So, you know, the, you know, she did all she could. And, um, you know, we, we thought we were beating it, we made it past the third round of chemo and just some things weren't weren't right. Um, went to the, uh, the ER because of a fever and, you know, just some, um, uh, some other intestinal abdominal stuff. And, um, they found out the cancer had spread to her liver and her lungs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was two weeks from that stage four diagnosis, realizing it spread that she died there, um, in the hospital at the age of 46. Hmm. Wow. And that's just, you know, it's, it's not right. It's not fair. And, you know, we're, uh, the kids and I are, are grateful for the years we had with her. Um, you know, and, you know, thankful for the the memories and the, and the pictures we have and you know, videos and things like that. Um, but it, it's not enough. You know, I, I wish we had more, um, and memory being what it is, you know, it's still days that it you know, starts fading and, you know, I, you, you want to hold on to that. Um, and it's not the same, you know, she should be here. Um, it's just a, it's a stark reminder that the, the world is broken and, you know, this is not the way it really should be. Um, I mean, yes, we all die, but, uh, it's, you know, it, it's not right for, uh, somebody to die at 46 when, uh, you have daughters that are nine years old and, you know, now, you know, we, we still have our family. Um, I, I, I'm reminded of a, a line from Lilo and Stitch, a Disney movie there, that, um, where the Stitch character says toward the end that, um, you know, this is my family. It's, uh, it's little and broken, uh, but it's good. And so we, we still try to do the, uh, do the best we can to, to live out the good, uh, in the brokenness, uh, to, you know, to, to honor, uh, Amy and her memory. Um, but <laughs> it's not easy some days. I mean, 
mad respect out to the other single parents out there, um, uh, trying to hold it all together. And, um, you know, most days I'm just, I feel like I'm merely surviving as opposed to thriving. And, um, so there's, uh, yeah, I got a lot of respect now uh, that I didn't see before for uh, single parents who are trying to hold it all together and take care of themselves and their kids and uh, do the best they can. So uh, anyway, that's that's an introduction where we are. Uh, that was uh, a little over a year and a half ago when uh, our world got turned upside down. I like the way you explained it all the the way you view it as, uh, you know, very broken and yet, you know, trying to find the good in, in life anyway and go on and so forth. And I've admired um, just what I've seen of your um, going through grieving and handling this. Like I, all I see is just snippets on Facebook, but sure. it's like you're not hiding away in a cave somewhere, but you're kind of engaged <laughs> with people sharing with uh, your family and friends what you're going through. And anyway, I, I've admired that. Yeah. Well, thanks. I've, I've had other people comment uh, that they appreciate me sharing how, what I'm going through or, you know, things I've seen or experienced going through grief. Um, I, I'm not a terribly public person. I, I tend to keep things close to my chest. Um, but for some reason, I've I felt a, a little more freedom sharing what I'm going through here. And I think that's partly because uh, people who go through a traumatic experience uh, appreciate knowing that somebody else has gone through that, um, that somebody else can identify with them. Because uh, I, I know it's been helpful for me in... Uh, in my healing journey, uh, I almost don't want to say healing because it's not something I'll ever get over. Uh, that hole in, in my soul will always be part of me, and it, I, it's nothing that I'm going to pave over or anything like that. But at, as I go through that journey, uh, when I've read experiences of other people, you know, whether on Facebook or in books, um, you know, it's. I think it speaks to a really human. Uh, need to know that you're not alone and the fact that somebody else has gone through that. So it's, um, I, I think that's given me a little more freedom to, um, to, to share uh, what I'm going through. Cause it's, it's not all roses and butterflies and rainbows. There's just some days that are really, really hard. Um, and, and I've even seen changes in myself that I, I didn't expect to see. You know, one, one thing when you suddenly become a single parent, you know, for better or worse, you know, it's, it's just you. And so one thing I've noticed is, you know, with, with Amy, you know, sometimes you, as a parent, you, you can, um, you can kind of play off each other and, you know, work out a, you know, a defensive strategy and, you know, whether it's his own defense or whatever, you know, the, the idea of good cop, bad cop, uh, you can kind of play that with your kids and I can't do that anymore. I'm both the good cop and the bad cop all the time. And 
you know, that's uh, one thing that exposes is a little bit of regret because um, I wasn't always fair in how Amy and I split up the good cop, bad cop uh, role there. Um, sometimes Amy got more of the bad cop than, you know, than I did. You know, part of that was because I was at work or I was at trap, I was out traveling and things like that. So she had to play those, those roles, but, um, you know, it, it just kind of opened my eyes more to, um, some regret in how maybe we didn't share some of those, those duties equally. And that, uh, but anyway, I, I find myself, you know, sometimes getting uh, angrier with a shorter temper than I had before. Uh, and part of that is just I'm going through my own issues, uh, trying to work through. Um, and, and not to say that we're yelling all the time or anything. We, we still have, have fun and things like that. But I've just found, you know, that through, through loss and grief, you know, my temper is shorter. Uh, some of my kids' tempers are shorter, and it, it takes a lot more intentionality to try to step myself back. And I, I have to count to ten myself uh, more than I used to. Um, it's uh, that's a dynamic I, I didn't expect, and, and so just knowing, uh, maybe even putting those kind of things out there, so that people who go through whatever grief or trauma experience. It doesn't have to be death of a spouse, but it could be a divorce or loss of a job or something like that, where you, you go through a, a major loss, you know, there's, there's going to be impacts. And, you know, I, I, I have to forgive myself and give myself grace. Um, and, you know, sometimes I have to apologize to my kids for losing my temper, um, you know, taking it out on them when really it, you know, what they did, it didn't require that level of response. And you know, it was partly because of things I'm going through. I was going to ask you, um, like, what effect has Amy's death had on you as far as, like, how has it changed you or grown you? So you've already, you know, expressed quite that it's like you're a different person now. You have this whole, um, and then all of the, and then your life is definitely different, you know, um, and just the challenges and so forth. Is there any anything else that comes to mind about how um, you've changed through this? Um, any way that you see life differently? Any way that you've grown? Um, I don't know. Just anything else to mention as far as the effect it's had on you? Yeah. Um, you know, I'll... One of the things I noticed that I also didn't expect um, was that you know, before Amy died, just psychologically, I was pretty good at segregating different pieces of my life. Um, like, like in work, you know, I could, it's like I had a, a wall down the middle of my brain almost where, you know, there, there was family life and stuff outside of work, but then you know, I could sort of turn down the volume on that and you know, I could focus on work and think more analytically and, and all of that. It's, um, 
that wall is broken. I didn't expect that where, you know, the, the emotional side of me, you know, can interfere with the, um, the analytical side and, you know, my, and pragmatically speaking, I can't really segregate life, you know, and put it on the, on the back burner for eight to 10 hours a day while I'm working because, you know, oh, there's laundry that needs to be done. Oh, there is, uh, there's groceries I I need to get, you know, oh shoot, we're out of milk. I need to put that on the list. Um, what are they wearing tomorrow? Um, oh, that's right. You know, this other parent asked for a play date. I need to get back to them. You know, there's, zoom call for Sunday school and, oh, I didn't register for that special event. Um, you know, Amy and I, uh, came up with a pretty good division of labor, division of responsibility. Um, you know, whether she was full-time stay at home or working part-time, uh, teaching preschool or anything like that. Um, you know, she was better able to run interference with, with some of that stuff and just, you know, take over, um, oh my goodness, that's just the social calendar stuff was, um, and you know, household management, you know, there, that gets, uh, that was bigger than, uh, than I expected. Uh, but even psychologically it was, um, it's a lot harder to concentrate because the, um, the emotional side of my life kept spilling over. Um, it, it actually came to a head, um, I was finding myself um, spending five, six, seven, eight hours a day just to get four hours of work done because I was trying to do my work and then my mind would wander and I would realize 15 minutes later I haven't done squat. And so then I'd bring myself back in and focus. And so I... I wasn't able really to work full time. It was a chore to hit 40 hours a week. It, it still kind of is, although it's, it's better now. Um, but at that time I was realizing, you know, I, I'm spending nine hours a day and just getting maybe five hours of work in, um, because, you know, I, I can't charge my company for if I'm, you know, off wandering and walking just to clear my head and stuff like that. So, it's a, uh, that was rough. And it, it got to the point where I thought, can I do this anymore? Um, plus I was, I also went through some soul searching. Um, yet as we mentioned at the beginning, I work in the defense industry. Um, right now I, I'm still supporting, uh, software development, um, for, uh, ground support software for this uh, fighter aircraft. And I really started to wrestle with it. You know, I, I saw firsthand the impact that death has, um, that death robs so much. It, uh, it steals away a, a part of your soul. It, uh, it robs, you know, families of love. It robs parents of their children and children of their parents. And what does the defense industry do? We build machines for the sole purpose of killing people. 
that's what we do. You know, I can try to glorify it as, oh, well, we're, uh, we're doing things to, you know, press, uh, to push against the boundaries of technology and trying to, you know, fly better, farther, faster. And yeah, there's, there's part of it, you know, pushing the technological envelope and some of that can have positive impacts on humanity. But at the end of the day, we're building an aircraft to carry bombs and missiles to kill people. Now, hopefully they are our enemies and that we are engaged in just war and or trying to defend ourselves from aggression, all that stuff. Um, but having seen firsthand what death does um, and, the, and, and how it, what it steals uh, from people and communities, um, I needed to step away. So I, um, I talked to some folks at my company and they were gracious enough to give me a leave of absence. Um, you know, you, you hear people talk about, uh, you know, companies and benefits and, you know, what, what's a forward thinking company. Um, and, you know, companies may give uh, bereavement benefits of two or three days to uh, help plan or attend a funeral for a family member. Um, my company let me have a leave of absence for two months um, just so I could clear my head because I, I wasn't really being as effective as, as I could be anyway. And honestly, that was huge. I mean, that was, that was such a gift to me. Um, that through November and December of that year, uh, when Amy died, um, I was able to go through counseling. I was able to, um, just work through some things in my head and, um, you know, they, uh, my, my company, it, it's a small contracting company. We got maybe 30 employees. Um, and we, um, I do contract work with a larger defense contractor um, through my job in Florida, but it's um, they've been incredibly supportive. Uh, so I, I was able to take those two months off. Um, a couple of folks in HR uh, flew out here to Missouri from Florida just to have lunch with me and talk it over. Um, and and they'd say, you know, we'll, we'll support you if you need to take time off and think about it. Uh, if you decide not to come back, um, you know, we hope you do, but we'll, uh, we'll understand. And, um, you know, they, uh, I was a little concerned about health insurance and they said, don't worry about it. You know, we will, we'll carry the health insurance through and, and all that, you know, cause you'll, you'll still be on the books and, um, during the, your leave of absence during my, yeah, okay. during my right. leave of absence, I, I was wondering if I'd have to go on Cobra or something right. and pay for it myself. Um, but it was, that was huge. That was, that was life giving. Um, and, and that's just one example of, of how, um, you know, many people have in a way come around me and, and helped me through that process. I, I know not all companies can do that. And, you know, I, I felt a little guilty because I know there's so many people who go through that experience of losing a spouse um, where they don't have that option. 
Um, you, they still have to get up and get dressed and go out the door and go to work, and they don't really have time and, or the resources to um, you know, go without that paycheck. And, or if they took two months off, their company would let them go and have to replace them. Um, so I, I realized I was in a special position, but I'm also so grateful. And you know, since I had that opportunity, I'm not really going to apologize for it. <laughs> I, um, cause I, I needed it. So at, at the end of that two months, I, I did, uh, I did come to grips and realize that, um, I could continue, uh, in this industry in, in good conscience, um, because, not long before Amy died, maybe six months, it was before her diagnosis, but, um, you know, there was some international conflict with, uh, uh, you know, between, uh, Trump and North Korea and, you know, it got in the news where they were raising words and, you know, lots of verbal bluster between the two. And, um, you know, my, uh, one of my daughters, got kind of scared. Uh, what one of my daughters is, um, is a little more prone to, to fear and things like that. And, you know, we, we can talk about how our national government is not, um, not always wise about, uh, when they choose to use military force. Uh, and you know, especially in hindsight, uh, some bad decisions we've made, but, um, my, my daughter got really scared about the possibility of, um, uh, of war with North Korea. And, you know, I, I mentioned, well, my job is, uh, helping develop software to support, uh, fighter aircraft that can help defend us. And, uh, and that put her at ease, um, to know that at, and, Yes, it can be a good and just thing to have strength to defend yourselves against, um, against aggression. And, you know, that's not what our country always does, uh, but to have a strong defense, um, can be a just and even moral thing to do. Um, that's where I landed and, and that's, uh, how I could, uh, at least in, in my own conscience, um, continue, uh, continue my work in this industry. Um, plus it's good to have a job to <laughs> take care of my, my kids and, and family. Um, so that's, that was one thing, just really wrestling through all that and, uh, trying to think through some of the big pictures, um, the, the big picture in life where it's not just a, a job, but thinking about what we do and what it, really means, uh, not just to my family, but, you know, throughout the world, you know, and, uh, what, what is good and just and, and how do you, uh, uh, how do you land on that? And, you know, I maybe never thought through some of those big picture things, or at least I, I pushed it to the side and, uh, I, death has really made me wrestle with more of those big questions. Yeah. Um, and just um, listening to you as a part who's behind 
our defense and everything. It's just, I'm encouraged. Um, and if I thought that, well, I'm encouraged just, um, you know, your heart about the matter and wanting to think through it and all of that. Um, are you encouraged when you think of our nation and um, just all of the people in the inner working of it all and everything? Um, I guess, you know, we got that politically, then we got people, you know, supportive people like yourself and everything. And you, just what are your overall thoughts when it comes to, um, you know, are you hopeful, encouraged, or, or not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> how much time do we have? Um, you know, I'll, I'll admit I, I am discouraged. Um, and, and it's not just at the national level. It, it's really our, our, our societal fabric and, uh, American culture to some extent that the world culture, but, um, it feels more American that, um, there really is, um, more polarization and, I see that that is in no small part amplified by uh, the media and politicians. And it's, it's very, very important for, uh, for us as citizens to pay attention to that. You know, whether, you talk about media being liberal or you talk about media being conservative. Um, really those are just labels and reality is so much more complicated and nuanced than just two buckets, right or left, you know, up or down, in or out, whatever there's, um, yet our, our media, whether it's social media, whether it's news, whether it's, political speaking points, um, they're really just looking for the sound bite. They're looking for the hot take. They're, uh, focused on the, the one piece of, um, uh, the, the one way to turn a phrase that gets people riled up because riled up people, um, get motivated for good or bad to, um, then go out and speak and try to get other people riled up. Uh, so, you know, that, that really has changed, I think in the last 20 years, especially the last five, um, to where nuance and, um, you know, moderate positions, um, don't get the attention, uh, because you know, news media is looking for ratings you know, you can talk about mainstream media maybe being more liberal, but um, the media that focuses on traditionally conservative talking points, um, less charitably, I, I might say that uh, you know, media that strokes the uh, the ego or reinforces uh, biases, um, you know tends to get some attention and, you know, you can ask yourself, is this media selling advertising? 
Well, if it is, then they are going to have headlines and talking points and articles that try to grab your attention so that they will get the click, so that they will get you watching, um, so that then they get the advertising revenue so they can stay in business. Um, so how do we insulate ourselves from that? Um, it's not easy. I'm not sure. I, I think things will probably get worse before it gets better. Um, I, I don't really have the answers other than, uh, if you see something or hear something that sparks an emotional response in you, that was intentional. And if you realize that was intentional, you know, maybe we all can take a step back and say, okay, well, they're, they're, they're trying to get me riled up here. And so what's the real story? Um, that, and, you know, one thing I found is that, uh, even if I, you know, I, I have my own political uh, leanings and way I view the world and, you know, things I, I think will be better or right as opposed to other actions and views and policies. But it is important to, uh, to make sure that I don't just get my news from one source. Um, on social media, it is important to make sure I don't just have friends or people I follow that think like me, uh, because you know, we all have our blinders. And even if I think I'm right, um, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not always right. I don't always have all the information and there is, uh, there is value in seeing information and perspectives that are different from my own. Um, and I have, you know, it's not going to change my mind necessarily, but even recognizing that a reasonable person um, can think differently than me or can see something differently from me, that's huge. Um, you know, it, there's that old phrase, reasonable people can disagree reasonably. And, and that's so true. You know, I, I would like, <laughs> I would like to see a return of old-fashioned manners, um, where, you know, people can disagree without shouting at each other. So, um, you know, it, this whole pendulum swing. You know, Trump had his problems, Biden has his problems, um, but there's also the old phrase that in a democracy, people get the government they deserve. <laughs> Because, you know, I can say, well, I didn't vote for that guy or I didn't vote for that guy. Um, truth be told, I didn't vote for Trump or Biden um, in, you know, in any of those elections. Um, and I can say, so it's not my fault. Well, yeah, maybe not directly, but as a citizen in, in our democracy, you know, I, there are still things I can do and I, you know, even if it's just trying to engage with and learn from people who think differently than I do and, you know, not give my click advertising dollars to media outlets whose sole purpose is to uh, tickle my preferences or uh, to get people riled up, um, you know, that's, that's important too.
Yeah. Um, so you answered my question. You know, you mentioned <laughs> riled up, and I was just thinking, well, how do we move to more nuanced reasoning? But you kind of went through that uh, as far as like listening to the other side, and I've wondered if, um, like, rather than just focusing on commentators um, a whole lot, if it it's helpful to focus on actual news, um, you know, information rather than just people commenting on news. It it is. Um, I've I've chatted with a with a neighbor about that too. Um, I have a neighbor across the street who um, I've kind of befriended uh, more since uh, since Amy passed away. He's recently retired and uh, spends most of his time paying attention to financial news, it seems like. And he sends me you know, stock tips and things like that. Kind of, kind of funny. But uh, he, he also talks about other uh, current events and, and news of the day. And he recommended paying attention to uh, foreign news sources, mm-hmm. uh, the BBC, mm-hmm. uh, France 24, um, perhaps even, um, oh, what is it? The uh, Arabic news source. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, uh, there is value in that because that's, that's also a different perspective uh, because so many, uh, so many things, NBC News is especially bad about it. On, on their homepage, it seems like half of the headlines are about things people should get riled up or offended over, mm-hmm. and you know, that's that's not helpful. the The BBC and uh, you know France's national news source um, maybe a little better. Uh, Perhaps it, it would be better said just that it's different uh, what they focus on, but uh, that that can really be valuable, and, and not just for how they approach topics, but they um, they mention news that gets entirely glossed over in America. Um, America is a selfish nation, not just because um, you know, America. There's a large swath of America that is wealthy. Um, I know I'm wealthier than 95% of the world. Um, and, you know, that's partly just because I was lucky enough to be born in America um, and given my upbringing to middle class parents and, and all that. Um, I was able to you know, follow my interest and go to college. And, you know, if. If I was born in another country where I didn't have that option or I had to help from an early age to, um, to help support the family, you know, I wouldn't have had those opportunities and I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, and there's so much we take for granted in America. Um, but we're not just selfish because of our materialism. We're also selfish because... We think we're the greatest. Um, we think everything American is 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 great and big, and um, we ignore the rest of the world. Uh, but we ignore the rest of the world to our peril. And you know, it's uh, so that perspective of you know, taking the American blinders off and realizing what's going on in the rest of the world can have an impact on us uh, in, in in ways we don't really think about. And, you know, that's, 
bringing it personal again, that's also something else that has changed since Amy died. Um, Amy had more of a heart toward other people anyway, beyond me. You know, I didn't think of myself as selfish. I thought of myself as, well, that's just not something I'm interested in. It's, it's not my heart's calling to, uh, to look and help other people. Um, you know, I mentioned my companies in, in Florida and I followed an opportunity down there in 2007. It's, um, you know, while in Florida, Amy, for whatever reason, just felt a calling to help work with the homeless. And so she worked at a food pantry uh, and then she um, worked at a little ministry in downtown Orlando for a while. Um, but she's always had a uh, had a heart for the less fortunate. Um, you know, we, we've done some foster parenting many years ago and that was cause she was inspired by her aunt, uh, who did some foster parenting and just you know, realizing that looking beyond ourselves is a, is a good thing. And I, I regret that I didn't, um, join Amy in some of those pursuits more. Um, it was like one time in Orlando that I, I went with her to, to do some things, um, but I thought of it more as, oh, that's, it's Amy's heart. That's, that's her thing. That's her interest. Um, and it, it frankly makes me sad that I didn't, uh, serve with her more in, in those things. Um, and you know, now I don't have a chance to, I, I did think, okay, how can I, uh, how can I look beyond myself to uh, help with some of those things and just kind of carry on? Um, her spirit there a little bit, um, you know, so I've, I've started paying attention to, uh, some of the, uh, Christian voices on social media that Amy followed that I never paid two cents of attention to before. Um, and you know, that's, that's really helped me broaden perspective of, uh, not just in, things we can do to, to help, um, people or groups that are overlooked and neglected, you know, whether homeless or immigrants or, um, you know, even just other people in communities that they may get overlooked. Um, but that's kind of changed my thinking. Um, you know, I, I started reading, uh, there was a book by, her, her name uh, slips my mind, but one of the people on, on social media that really challenged the um, kind of the American way of thinking and contrasting that with uh, what Jesus calls us to do of, you know, giving up, uh, possibly giving up our, our comfort and our notions of success that... Um, you think of the American dream and, you know, being self-sufficient and autonomous. Um, since Amy's death, um, I realize I cannot be self-sufficient. My, my notion of being self-sufficient got shattered where I can't do it all. I'll do it all on my own. Um, I had a sense of pride kind of that, Oh, look, look what I accomplished. And, um, 
you know, look what I can provide my family. Um, you can't do it on your own. I have to pay people to deliver my groceries <laughs> because I don't have the time in my family to go out and uh, get the groceries myself or realizing that, you know, eight o'clock at night, it's kind of impacts my kids to have to drag them along to go get groceries. Um, you know, just life in, uh, in general, um, getting people to watch my kids, um, single parents can't go out and run to the store on errands and stuff without their kids. And so I've had to rely on a community of family, uh, friends, even acquaintances who I never really talk to much anymore that I have to rely on, on them and ask favors. Oh, I used to hate to ask for help. Um, maybe that was pride. Um, but now I have to ask for help in, in certain things. And it, it just made me realize how interdependent we are and, and that it's, it's kind of a myth, the idea of people being self-sufficient because, you know, even grocery delivery and food delivery, I, I might think of myself as being self-sufficient and, you know, oh, I have the financial resources to, to pay for that. So it's still me. It's not me. I'm depending on those other people to, to help me out. Um, and, and so just this realization of the, it, it's like my eyes were opened to how interconnected we all are because I, I no longer live in this bubble of thinking I'm self-sufficient and I can do it all on, on my own with just me and Amy taking care of our family. Um, cause it's, it's not true. And even before, uh, it was kind of a false impression because Amy and I still depended on so many other people. Um, so yeah. So, you know, as far as going beyond just looking out for ourselves and reaching out to others, um, sometimes what keeps um, me from doing that is it sometimes feels like I'm just doing all I can just to keep my life together, you know? Yes, yes. So, but but then again, um, you know, maybe we're not meant to just keep our lives together just by ourselves. And maybe that's just an excuse um, um, do you have any thoughts about that? Um, you know, like even in the, um, busyness of just all these things that we have to do, um, should we still be, um, trying to, sh uh, you know, reach out beyond us and, you know, give a portion of our time and resources you know, uh, beyond just keeping our own lives and families <laughs> together. <laughs> I know the answer is we should. Yeah. Um, it's hard, um, but it, it's not just for me. Um, you know, it's, it's also for, for my kids. Um, cause I, I do things, um, you know, what, one thing I am grateful for is, is that I, I still have my job even through this pandemic. I still have my job. Um, I've even, and in a perverse way, uh, the timing has even been helpful because I, I used to travel about a week a month for my job. 
uh, going back to Florida, meeting with the team there face-to-face. Since the pandemic, um, I haven't had to. And and since Amy died, they've been uh, very accommodating on on that too. And I I traveled a lot less. But since the pandemic, the office has been closed. And and so I haven't had to. And um, so that that's been a blessing there. Um, but I, I also realized that, uh, you know, I, I have these financial resources to help with people. So I, I started giving a little bit more um, than I did before. Um, there's a homeless ministry in, in Orlando that does fabulous work. And, um, you know, in, in Amy's memory, I, I started um, just supporting them on a monthly basis. Uh, with, with a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I never really paid much attention to GoFundMe campaigns before. Um, but I realized, you know, there's, there's people out there, you know, sure you can say, well, they should have been more responsible and saved up uh, emergency savings and, you know, things like that. You know, oh my gosh, sometimes your world just turns upside down. And how do you plan for that? Um you know, in, in you, you just, the, the thing that I, I realize I, is that people have needs. You can argue that they shot themselves in their foot, um, or maybe they were unlucky. And, but regardless of how they got there, people still have needs. Um, you know, even if it was their own darn fault that got them there. They still have a need. And, um, but a lot of that I do in private. Um, but it's also important for my kids to see that. So, um, up here in St. Charles, there's, uh, there's a couple of, uh, homeless people that we have seen, you know, we don't see them on a regular basis or anything, but, um, it, at least, uh, we said hi and talked to them enough that I know their names. Um, Coincidentally, they are both Chris's. Um, don't know their last name, don't know their stories. Um, but so we, we kind of laugh that the two homeless people here in the area we know are also Chris. Um, but there's this one guy we see on the side of the road um, with, uh, with a sign and he, he asks for, for help. Um, yeah, and that's something I'm still of two brains about. You think, oh, is this guy just scamming us? Uh, and how much money does he make a day? Uh, but then I think, you know, there's there's got to be better ways of earning money if you really have the resources than just standing on the side of the road in really cold weather or really hot weather and you know breathing uh, gasoline fumes from cars parked at the stoplight. And so anyway... Um, but, uh, so when we stopped there, I, I took a chance and, uh, gave, uh, Chris a little bit of money. Um, but my girls have noticed that. And just this last week, uh, we saw him, the girls got excited. So, oh, oh, Chris is there. And I'm just kind of biding my time sitting there at the stoplight thinking, well, it's probably going to turn. I, I helped him a couple of weeks ago. They said, no, dad, dad, you got to help him out. Uh, here, I'll, I'll give him the money. So it, it's just, oh my gosh, I don't want to quench their spirit. And, uh, it, and what is, 
did Jesus say? He says, give to people who ask. He doesn't say, uh, give to people who ask unless you're afraid you might be enabling them. He doesn't say give to people who ask, but only if you fully know their story and know they're not going to abuse it um, because you don't want people to be toxic and take advantage of your generosity and, and all that. It, you know, the, the fact that they are, I, I have a chance to help them um, see people in need and realize that it's okay We can uh, for us to help somebody. I don't know what he's going to do with the five bucks. Um, but what would I do with the five bucks? You know, get a drink from Starbucks. That's probably not the healthiest thing anyway. Uh, it was C.S. Lewis or G.K. Chesterton who, who somebody asked that to when they gave a, a beggar some money. And they told him he's probably going to spend it on booze or cigarettes. And his flippant response was, well, that's what I was going to spend it on. <laughs> you know, so... Um, at, at some level, it, it's on them um, in what they're going to do with the money. But I think so many times, you know, I, I can use that as an excuse to avoid helping anybody and say, oh, well, they might they might use it for something I, I wouldn't want them to. And so on. so anyway, I'm I'm glad that not just that my kids can see a little bit of generosity, but they get excited about um, the idea of helping somebody out. Um, so, you know, we, we can talk about, you know, national issues and what's the, the best way to a, address some of the real needs there. And, you know, health insurance is all messed up in this country. It, it's not equitable or anything like that. Um, yeah, but what, what can I do at a personal level? Um, and, you know, that, that's, one thing I, I see as important for Amy and her legacy, um, she she had a big heart. Um, and that's one thing I, I do want to remember and I do want to do in her honor is things that I would avoid in the past. You know, how can I maybe push myself just a little bit? Um, <laughs> I... I find myself almost asking, well, what would Amy do <laughs> sometimes? Um, and, you know, it's, um, I can't control other people, but I, I can control myself. And what can I do as an individual with my response um, to try to do something better? One, one of Amy's favorite phrases was, uh, do small things with great love. And, you know, that, that was just an intellectual thing before I thought, oh yeah, that, that's very nice. Um, that breaks me sometimes. Um, cause you know, I mentioned I'm a systems engineer. I, I like to think big picture. Um, but sometimes I need to step away from that and look at the small picture. Um, one person, um, one act can can make so much difference, uh, especially for that one, that one person. And, um, yeah, so that, that's what I, I think we can do. So you're involved in Christianity. You're a Christian. I am. So, so why, why are you a Christian? Why do you choose to be? 
so it started when I was small. Um, my parents are Christians, and you know, so I was around that as a kid. Um, it's it's what I knew. Um, but of course, when when you're a kid and you grow up, you you almost look at any any religious activity as um, oh, it's just something we do. And, you know, there's rules of right and wrong. And, um, you know, we're, we're learning how to be good. You know, God loves us. Um, you know, and I should follow these rules. Um, yeah, I maybe didn't look at it that way at the time. Um, but it was you know, maybe kind of a cultural thing, at least for me as a kid, you're growing up, you're, you're learning what life is all about and all that. Um, You know, it. I, I recognize that. Uh, you know, I'm a. Yeah, when I was a kid, I, I did recognize that I was a sinful person. You know, I, I wasn't always nice to my brothers. You know, and you know, I lie to get out of trouble, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, and so I thought, well, this is this is great that uh, you know God makes a, a way um, to you know. While there is consequence of our sin, you know, God, uh, through Jesus, has um, has made a way that He could uh, pay the price for our sins Himself. The infinite God, you know, almost absorbed the uh, the sin and and brokenness of uh, of us, and all He. Uh, all we have to do is recognize that, uh, just um, to receive his forgiveness. You know, he says, follow me. But, oh my gosh, as an adult, you know, it, it, it's almost like, <laughs> I don't want to say born again again, uh, but it, it just kind of, the older I get, the more I realize the depth. It It's not like a mystical transaction with God. Um, it, it's just sort of growing into the realization of, of what God has done for us. Um, and, you know, uh, Amy and I did go through a period in our, our life when we were foster parents, um, that, that almost broke us, um, where we, uh, there, there were a, a couple of, of kids that um, just kind of turned our, our world upside down and um, kind of shattered our notion of um, what it meant to, to do the right thing, to, to do the good thing. Uh, and in the broken in a broken world, what happens when two good things are at odds with each other? What do you do? And, um, sometimes because the world is broken, there is no good answer. You get into a situation and there's no way out without hurting somebody. There's no way out without, um, you know, breaking yourself. And, um, and the two good things were, um, you wanting to take care of you guys. And then also the idea of the 
being involved in fostering? Is that what you mean, the two good things? Uh, Yeah, uh, without going into too many details there. Yeah, what's what's good for the kids and what's good for us. Okay. Um, And, you know, potentially even some some other things on the side there. Okay. Um, And sometimes there is no good answer. And realizing uh, it, it's like you don't understand truly what grace and forgiveness is until you really need it yourself. And um, it's it got s- so much more personal then. And it's uh, it just so much more real uh, t- to realize that Christianity is not about trying to do the right thing and follow the right rules so you get on God's good side. And you need to stay on God's good side um, or else he's going to be mad at you. That's kind of the sense I had growing up. And it's not that. Um, You know, I... What is it? It says Psalm 34. It says God is near to the brokenhearted. And, you know, I realize that. I, I think when we mess up or when something messed up happens to us, um, God, God wants to come in close. And, um, you know, I, I, I can rest in that. It, it's not like, oh, man, you messed up. You got to. You know, you got to sit in that corner with your nose in the wall until you realize what all you did. And then you come apologize and, you know, you know, then I'll give you a hug. You know, it's it's not like a uh, a dysfunctional family there. I, I think he's he's there and he walks with us. He's near to us um, in, in our brokenness. And, you know, we just got to almost put our hand out or, or, you know, accept the hug at, at the risk of over anthropomorphizing things. It, it's a, uh, I, and there's such freedom in that realizing that it's, it, it's not only when I quote, do the good thing. Um, it's regardless of whether I do the good thing or the bad thing. Um, God is, is there, uh, for me, I mean, yes, I need to recognize when I do wrong, um, but you know, it God is is there uh, with us in in that brokenness, and I, I think that's that's so important to realize. And you know, that's I, I think that's what's different with Christianity is realizing that God has already done everything, um, and He has given so much. Uh, to us, you know, I, I look outside, you know, after a rainstorm and there's a beautiful rainbow, um, you know, that, that is a gift, um, to, uh, and not just me, to so many people, uh, you know, even on that, the, uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a beautiful rainbow, a double rainbow. Those are always fun to see. And it, it looked like it was, you know, going right up out of the neighbor's house across the street who I mentioned before. Um, and so I, I took a picture and sent it to him and he said, thank you so much for sending this. You know, I, uh, I almost see it as a sign because, you know, 
his uh, his wife was um, ha- having a uh, you know a medical test done. They were really concerned what the results would be, and so just little things like that. There is so much common grace uh, out there, um, and and yet we we have this sense that you know the only way to be right with God is we have to make ourselves good first. And, you know, and the difference with Christianity is God saying, you can't um, make yourself good first. So, you know, I've made a way for you. And, and that is, um, that, that's freeing um, to, to know that. I mean, God, you know, hates sin. He hates injustice. Um, he, he hates the, uh, the way that people and systems are oppressive to the poor and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he also has, you know, infinite grace, uh, at, at the personal level. And that's, that gives me freedom. Do you ever wrestle with that view of Christianity, which is just really beautiful with, for example, the sermon on the Mount, which seems to be, kind of more commandment centered and <clears throat> there seems to be steep consequences. Um, like this is a hard road, um, in a narrow road, a hard road that leads to life. Few find it. Um, you know, you, uh, there's, if you're, if you're not keeping the commandments from your heart, such as the anger or the lust, I mean, there's yeah hell at, you know, these are hell, heaven matters and stuff like that. Um, do you, anyway, have you, do you have any thoughts about that? You know, it, it's, uh, I, I kind of see it as one in the same in, in a way, um, you know, there is an extremely high standard but I think part of what Jesus was doing with the Sermon on the Mount was saying uh, to all of you self-righteous people out there who think you've got it all together, this is really what the spirit of the law is. You know, you might think, oh, okay, well, I'm not murdering anybody. You know, I'm not committing adultery. You know, I, uh, I worship the Lord in heaven. Um, I honor my parents. You know, that's great. Um, are you really getting to the heart of what that means? Um, you know, we, uh, you know, when, when I was a kid, I, I really wrestled with, uh, some of the stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, where he says, if, if somebody, you know, takes your cloak, give him your shirt too, or some analogy like that, mm-hmm. um, which is really tough to think, okay, this person's taken advantage of me. I shouldn't let them take advantage of me again. I should fight back. Um, and I'm not, I'm still not quite sure where that lands because you don't want to be, uh, you know, be a rug that somebody walks all over. Uh, but I, you see time and time again that in, in scripture, when Jesus speaks, you know, he, he's trying to make a point. He's, um, 
I think he even uses exaggeration to, to make a point, you know, some hyperbole. But his goal is to get you to think, you know, not just listing out a, a set of rules. It's not like... Okay, well, you know, sure, if they if somebody takes my cloak, I'll give him my shirt. But if he takes my shoes, I'm not giving him squat. You know, it, it's the idea is um, everything we have is not from our own doing. Everything we have is is a gift at the end of the day, whether it's a gift from someone we know, if it's a gift from our parents, if it's um, the result of work that uh, we were fortunate enough to get. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we might joke about the phrase, you know, it takes a village or, you know, it, but it really does. If you look at how we got where we are, you know, I, I'm not Grizzly Adams out on the frontier making my own clothing and, you know, surviving off the land and doing all that. Uh, everything I have depended at some level on somebody else. And so did I truly get it all on my own? Um, Jesus doesn't want us to hold on to those things on our own and uh, to sort of hold things with an open hand and realize, you know, if somebody takes something from us, you know, how much of it was really mine to begin with? You know, I, I hate the idea of somebody taking advantage of me and taking my stuff. Um, and, you know, other stuff in the Sermon on the Mount about, you know, you, you say you don't commit adultery. That's great. Have you ever looked lustfully on a woman and, you know, thought in your mind? Um whoa, you know, that's a, uh, that's getting to the spirit of the commandment. And I think that exposes, you know what, if you really go down another level, you're not as perfect as you think you are. And it exposes, uh, if we truly were to live in a harmonious community where we treated each other with kindness and justice and the respect everybody deserves, um, that's what it would take to live that out. And none of us can do that on our own. It, it's a good standard. Nobody's going to meet that standard. Um, even though those are good things to think about and to even shoot for. Um, so I, I see it more as a uh, kind of a rhetorical device where Jesus said, you know, this is really what it means to try to live a good life on your own and you ain't going to do it. So here I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. Um, and, um, uh, there's a better way. Yeah. <clears throat> I can kind of see that. And it seems to be like the same purpose as like the law in general, or one of the purposes, um, not as a way for, acceptance, you know, by God, but, um, revealing how far, how far short we fall. Yeah. But also, you know, when you just take that section of scripture or Matthew in general, it seems like, because at the very end, you know, it's teaching them all that I commanded you. And when you take, or when you take the sermon on the Mount at the end, it's, 
or building your house on the solid um, rock is those who hear my words and do them. That's so true. Them. Yeah. But then with that, all throughout is relationship interweaved and um, trust in in God and asking for forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer. So it's not just a list of commandments also. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's not. Um, it, and you're right. You know, there, there's a very human tendency to, uh, especially with Scripture, sort of gloss over certain areas and focus on the ones that um, yeah, maybe feel better uh, to you. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, God's love can sometimes feel more attractive than God's justice um, until you see the wrong and realize that justice is important, that wrong things need to be made right in order for there to truly be justice. Um, but yeah, it, it's not, uh, it, Christianity is not just uh, feel-good philosophy of uh, looking in the mirror and telling myself, hey, I'm okay. Uh, you're right uh, that uh, we we are um, challenged to actually put our faith in action to do. I mean, just like James said, faith without works is dead. So, um, you know, it, if all you have is an intellectual faith and acknowledging, oh, well, that sounds good. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, I would believe that. And it doesn't change your life. It, it doesn't challenge you to go out and, and do something. Um, then, you know, how much are you really um, following that faith? You know, for and I'll admit, for me, that's a challenge. I am pretty good at avoiding the bad stuff. Um, it's partly my personality. You know, I, I tend to be a rule follower, and and all that. Uh, or at least avoiding the bad stuff that people see, right? <laughs> um, so I got to battle some of those self-righteous tendencies. But it's a lot harder for me to go and do the good stuff. You know, avoiding the bad, all right, I got that. Intentionally going out and doing something good, um, that's harder. You know, I can blame that on the fact that I'm more introverted, uh, and so I'm more reluctant to get out there and put myself out there for something. Uh, oh, I would feel awkward. Uh, but, you know, true faith in, involves doing something good, not just avoiding something bad. Um, so that is, yeah, there, there's lots of challenges there and things that are hard for me. So there's pretty amazing things that we believe in Christianity, like the resurrection of Jesus, and that somehow Jesus is the God of the universe made flesh. Yeah. And there's other and amazing things like we're all going to be resurrected, you know. So when it comes to confidence, is this in this, is it more of just an internal spiritual um, confidence like it just almost like just God has given that to you or is there anything in particular that um, makes you strong in faith or with these things or you know just the way it all fits together or explanatory power just you know what 
is <clears throat> the uh, the source of your faith in all of this, or you know, that's that's a big one. Faith is um, something I haven't struggled with as much as um, as you might think. Um, it, it's something that honestly has tended to come easier for me. Um, but there, there certainly are things that just speak to my soul. I, I, I look at the world and the universe um, and, and the fact that there is order uh, and rhythm and patterns and seasons to the way the world works. It's, uh, I think it's illogical to think that everything happened by accident. I, I don't see how it could. Um, and you can say it was natural processes that, that led to what we see. Maybe so, but even if I grant that, there are certain fundamental uh, physical principles about how the world works. You know, gravity uh, follows a um, follows a pattern that can be defined mathematically. You know, there so that things can be known. The, the fact that um, there are all these uh, rules that the uh, universe and the world follows, such that things are knowable. And uh, that knowledge can be communicated. The fact that we as humans can even think of ideas beyond what we, uh, beyond just the information that comes in through our five senses, um, it tells me that there is, uh, there is something outside of the mere physical that we can see. You know, maybe there, maybe at some point far in the future, thousands of years from now, hundreds of years from now, um, scientists will, will learn more and be able to start to detect, um, yeah, detect things. But um, there is, at, at a very fundamental philosophical level, uh, I can see that there has to be uh, some force uh, some power outside of the world. Um, you know, philosophers might call it the first mover of, um, you know, the fact that the universe exists is proof that there is a power outside the universe. Um, but that's still kind of metaphysical and that's not personal. Um, you know, Amy and I talked some about that. Um, and Amy admitted sometimes she wondered if, this whole concept of religion and uh, God was just sort of a cosmic fable. Um, that, uh, and she went through seasons of doubt. You know, is this just a, a game where we're all playing with each other? Um, and you know, is it is it true? But she kept coming back. There were just little things in our life that. Uh, that bore evidence to, uh, to God. Um, you know, one of the more personal, we, we mentioned the, uh, uh, or I mentioned, uh, how 
there was a, um, while we were foster parents, we, we really struggled there in, at, at one point um, to where we f- felt like we failed God. Um, but realizing that God can redeem the brokenness, um, a few y- years later, we were honored and privileged uh, to be able to adopt two beautiful girls. Um, we, <laughs> we certainly weren't looking uh, to adopt twins, but there were just so many things in that story of where we got to the end of ourselves. And, um, and then it's like God started piecing things together and was able to, um, to help uh, build our family, to, to bless us with two children. Um, you know, the, uh, the young mother who approached the adoption agency, um, with, uh, uh, knowing that she wasn't in a position to, um, to raise the, these girls on her own. Um, just the, the way that, uh, she, um, was able to, to pick us and yeah, this may be more detailed than you want, but, um, Amy loved fall. And so when we were living in Florida, they don't really have fall. You don't get the maple leaves churning colors and, and all that. So when we lived in Florida, we tried to go North a little bit, uh, sometime in the fall, just to get away, kind of recharge our, our souls. Um, out there in, uh, so one year we went to North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina is just stunningly beautiful in the fall, gorgeous, beautiful city. Um, but we, uh, we met an artist there and, uh, just Amy fell in love with, with her painting. She was just finishing it up, uh, still working on it in her studio. And we just went in the art district and stopped in the studio there. And, uh, we'd been looking for a picture for our house and Amy hadn't quite found the right one. Uh, we fell in love with this one. And so we, we went back to, uh, decided we were going to buy it, uh, went back the next day to get it. And, um, the artist was herself a Christian and, uh, she titled the painting completely unbeknownst to us. She titled it the good work. Uh, which comes from, I think it was from Philippians, um, where uh, the writer says that uh, that God, who has begun a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it. And the the fact that it's a um, you know it, it's not the end of the story. Um, we're we're still uh, whatever we're going through. God is still at work in. Um, you were, we're not there yet. Uh, so anyway, uh, we, uh, this was before we got our smartphones, so we didn't have email. And when we get home and check our email, we find out the adoption agency, um, said, Hey, there's this, um, there's a young woman who is, um, wanting to place her unborn twins for adoption. And that email came when we first met this artist who was painting this painting and, um, you know, it, so could it be coincidence? Sure. It could be coincidence. 
but I, I choose to see that as just a, a sign that God had his hand uh, on us and he was reminding us that he's not, um, he's not finished writing our story. And that's still a reminder today as, as painful and unfair and wrong and unjust and, and all of that, that Amy died too early. Um, I can hold on to that, that remembering that my story isn't over yet and my daughter's story isn't over yet and how, um, how all of this was brought together. Um, you know, there's a, uh, there's a young woman who is, um, you know, realizing that she's not in a place to, uh, to raise her unborn children. The fact that we are, um, you know, still in a ways, uh, dealing with the, uh, the pain in and of our, ourselves or the scars, I'll call it the scars of, um, how, you know, we're, we come to grips with things we, uh, we regretted during the foster parenting, uh, ways that, you know, I didn't fully support my wife through that and the pain I caused her. Um, and, and just <laughs> through an artist of all things, um, helping just connect the dots and, uh, use that as a, as a signpost. Um, you know, God bless the artists of the world who, uh, feel compelled to create, uh, whether it's a painting, whether it's music, whether it's, uh, literature, poetry, whatever, feel compelled to create and not knowing, um, what that creative work is going to mean to somebody else that they don't even know at the time. Um, that it can speak to them. You know, music is amazing um, the way it can speak to your soul. These artists have never met me, but their creative work is able to um, to reach out beyond them and help, uh, you know, speak to the soul and bring comfort or encouragement or um, whatever it may be uh, to somebody else. So just the you know, that, that's a little rambling, but I, I see all that. And, and even, um, since Amy died, there's just been some, some things that are purely, uh, you know, that, that are coincidental, but beyond that, uh, there is a woman in Florida who runs a ministry, uh, for women, uh, speaking to them and encouraging women. Um, then Amy and I have, uh, talked to her and helped her out before when we lived in Florida. Um, out of the blue, shortly after Amy died, somebody from her office asked for my address because uh, they wanted to send us something. And uh, so I replied back uh, saying that, uh, you know, here's my address. Uh, that that would be great. Um and oh, by the way, my, my wife had passed away recently. Um, so it, you know, it, it's just me. Um, and 
I, I got this beautiful note along with the gift. And the lady who runs the ministry said that she just really had it impressed on her heart to do something for Amy and me. And she ordered um, this set of um, encouraging scripture that put my name in it. So, you know, whereas in scripture, there might be a verse that says, um, you know, it just uses a pronoun for you go and do something or the Lord is with you, that kind of thing. Um, it was replaced with my name. So it said, the Lord is with you, Christopher. And uh, she didn't know that Amy had died. And she said that the, uh, the person that uh, she asked to make these, mine had come in, but Amy's hadn't because for whatever reason, something happened with that order. Um, and so they only had one for me, but she was going to go ahead and send it. Um, that was such an encouragement to me that she listened to that little prompting. Uh, and the fact that um, <laughs> the only one that got made uh, was mine, because a Amy had already um, passed away at that time. It just weird little things like that. You think, oh, it could be a coincidence, but I, I see it as just a, a little reminder that God is still at work. Um, so, you know, take that as you will. Um, but I, I still see in, in little ways that God is still at work. Um, and you mentioned the resurrection. Uh, that's, you know, we've just been through Easter. Uh, we celebrate that. You're right. It's a really weird concept when you take a step back and think about it. You know, everybody dies. What's this idea of somebody coming back from the dead? You know, are you for real? You know, but um, if you realize that um, you know, we all have consciousness and we can think about things that are beyond just um, what we see and feel in the physical world, um, you know, there's, it just really feels like there's something in our soul or spirit that is bigger than this physical body, um, that, that is more than just what I can touch and feel and, and see. And it makes sense to me that, um, who I really am, what I really am, um, is is more than flesh and blood that it is still there and um you know one of the um yeah, amy and i like the arts and musical theater and things like that we were uh, able to see hamilton when it first came to to st louis um it's an amazing show, you know, not necessarily for, for kids in, in parts, but it's an amazing show and just speaks to everything of the human condition and redemption and, and all that. But the very, very last line of the show, you know, after uh, Alexander Hamilton dies in his duel, was his wife, who he cheated on and uh, who had to deal with um, so much of the fallout from his, uh, from his bad decisions, his short-sighted or prideful decisions, um, but who still loved him. Her, the very last line in the show 
was her saying, I can't wait to see you again. It's only a matter of time. And, and time factors into the show. It's a recurring theme. But I can't wait to see you again. It's only a matter of time. That tears me up, man. It, it, it breaks me to realize that people we love, when, they're, when they die, it doesn't have to be the end of the story. We don't know what it's going to look like. There's a whole lot of mystery. But to, to think that um, it's really not over, that death is not the end, that, um, that God's love can have the final word is, is so hopeful. Um, and, and so again, you know, that's, that's art speaking to the soul. You know, I don't know Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, but the fact that, uh, even something in the pop cultural zeitgeist, uh, that's hit such, uh, popularity as Hamilton musical theater, there's still hints of the gospel, you know, breaking through uh, because it's such a fundamental truth of the human condition that people long for uh, a sense of hope that there that this life as we see it right now is doesn't have to be the end. Um, yeah, so that's that's how I see it. You know, you were mentioning how um, there's just a feeling that we're more than just our physical bodies, and I was I remember somebody uh, kind of illustrating that, like if you were to cut off your arm or lose an arm, would that make you any less you? Well, hmm. what if you lost the other arm? Are you only a portion of you? What if you lost your leg? Like when do you become less you? <laughs> and we yeah, so we don't think of it, you know, as like. Well, it depends on my physical body, you know. Well, thanks. Um, just, a, uh, just a couple other things. Um, I've been reading in Proverbs lately about just the value of storing up knowledge. Mm. And it seems like that's a really uh, valuable thing, according to the, the Proverbs. Uh, and, you know, you seem like a, a you know, very knowledgeable person. And maybe, um, I think maybe sometimes that might just, some people might be more uh, skilled at just taking in things and remembering them and using it and stuff. But do you have any, uh, um, like, uh, particular ways that you take in knowledge? Or, you know, the, the biblical words are storing up knowledge, you know. So, um, and of course, um, there can be, seems like there needs, you know, they can be effectively used or it could be trivial and not <laughs> very useful. But are there any things that, you know, you do that um, are helpful for you as far as um, doing that in a, uh, you know, a profitable way? There's nothing really significant there. You know, it's... 
it's not like Tim Ferriss where I have uh, all these you know special life hacks in my back pocket right. for maximizing my my day or anything. And to be honest, uh, you know, especially since Amy died, you know, my my concentration and uh, ability to to focus um, still is is hampered. You know, maybe it always will be uh, just because that that wall inside my brain that helped me compartmentalize information just is not there and so much spills over. And so I, I feel a little more ADHD now um, than I did before. Uh, that said, I, you know, it, it's, it's still valuable to uh, just be in, intentional uh, about uh you know, finding things to, to, to read or do, um, you know, I've challenged myself. I, I've been pathetic at it, but I've, I've challenged myself to try to read just a little bit more because my reading tends to be just magazines or, you know, social media, checking out news headlines on, on a, a news website, something like that. But there is value in uh, reading a little uh, a little deeper. Um, you know, so I, I tried to, um, tried to be intentional about reading books a little more, uh, just to get sort of a, a longer, uh, a longer view, uh, a longer story, a longer perspective. Um, cause so much of our culture is focused on, you know, smaller bite-sized chunks of information. Um, I have uh, done a little more reading with uh, the girls, even you know, bedtime story t- type stuff where we've taken books and started reading through it. Um, it and even that I think is helpful uh, to um, engage in more long form storytelling. Uh, Cause that that's good just to sort of get your mind thinking in the sense of narratives as opposed to just chunks of information. I, I think that is uh, that is helpful, uh, and, and even a few books. Uh, I've read a few books on grief uh, since Amy died, um, and um, you know, I just uh, I started reading another book on uh, sort of slowing down with information. Uh, so there's uh, that's really all I can say. But there is value in slowing down and reading more long form. Hmm. Do you have any, are there any particular like life principles or maxims that you um, keep in mind that's just meaningful to you that has guided you through life or is guiding you now? You know, I, I mentioned earlier that. You know, one of Amy's was do small things with great love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's one I, I want to start adopting. One of the phrases my dad said when I was little, I, I can remember even from when I was in young elementary school, my dad said kind of tongue in cheek, life is a terminal disease. He would sort of say it with a wink and a smile. Um, but it's true. Nobody lives forever. And uh, if 
it's good to remember that. You know, it's easy to go day to day and not even think about the end game. Uh, but nobody lives forever. And, you know, life is going to end for everybody. Uh, some people, it ends tragically early. And, uh, and you know, Amy's death was certainly a stark reminder of that um, to where it's, I'll go ahead and share this. It's not a maxim, but uh, one thing that's so important uh, that sort of I got smacked upside the head with a two by four with um, Amy and I did not have a will when she died. And that's partly because, you know, we were wrestling with, okay, what, what do we really want to have happen? Um, You know, who's going to watch our kids? Our parents are getting older. You know, what, what all are we doing there? Uh, and we just never took the final step to, to do that. And, you know, I'll, I'll say now, uh, that is so important. Um, so, you know, it, anybody who does not have a will, you know, get, get off of your duff and get one because it, it scared me. What if something happened to me? You know, I would be their last parent. And yes, nobody is going to be as good at raising your kids as you are. You know, my, they're my, my kids, you know, they're my responsibility. I, I love them. They love me. Um, but if the unthinkable happens, um, you got to have a backup plan and you don't want people fighting over your kids and who's going to take care of them and stuff like that. Um, as much of a planner and overthinker as I am, uh, that's one thing we just never did. Um, so that's done now. Uh, we have a will and trust and they will be taken care of if something happens to me. Um, it, and yeah, I, it took a while to get over that, that hump. Um, and we, we just never did it. It's one of those things that, uh, people need to do. And, um, also, just realizing we're, we're not promised tomorrow. And, you know, I, I tend to be more on the fiscally frugal side. And, you know, there's some things like big vacations. I thought, well, maybe we should save up that money for college, something nice and boring and practical like that. Um, I'm glad we took some big vacations. Um, you know, Amy and I were able to take the girls on a Disney cruise to Alaska. Um yeah, we splurged, but it was a lot of fun. And we got to see you know, more of uh, this beautiful country, um, God's creation stuff we didn't get to see otherwise. Um, so something big like that, I'd also say, you know, don't put it off too long. You know, If there's something that you and your family have talked about for a while and think, boy, it'd be really nice if we did that, but it'd be kind of hard to do, um, go ahead and do it. You, you don't know what will happen uh, in the future. You know, don't completely mortgage your future and, you know, not save anything for college. I'm not saying that. But uh, if, if you have some means to, to do something and there's just something that's spoken to you that you'd really like to go do, um, do it. Well, thanks, Christopher. This has been really good. I just really appreciate just everything you've everything you've shared and just the time you've taken. Is there anything else before we sign off? Oh, just uh, yeah. Thanks for asking. The um, 
I'm glad that uh, to, to have this because I, I know you, uh, you do some photography too, and uh, you know, photography uh, captures a moment in time visually, and you know that this is a way to capture a moment in time, um, sort of with with my experience, and um, I'm I'm glad to have this. It'll be be interesting maybe to, to go back in 20 years and uh and wonder you know how my perspective has changed um and, and things like that so it's uh it, it's good to uh to capture that uh, so thank you you're welcome thank you mm-hmm.